If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have Jonathan. I was in a Discord group and I actually met him and asked if anyone wanted to be on the show. And he reached out and he was like, yeah, I want to do that. And the snippet that he gave me in my DMs was super interesting and I'm super excited to have him on. So thank you for joining me today, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on, Ellie. This is, uh, this is fantastic. I love the opportunity to share some of my, uh, you know, nasty part of my story uh, to help <laughs> To, for the sake of helping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's why I started this podcast is uh, hopes that, you know, I'll have a guest on and someone who needs to hear that specific guest will hear it and they'll relate and maybe you two can connect. And, you know, I did my part. I'm just kind of yeah. putting it out there into the ether and whatever happens, happens. Fantastic. That's a great way to, that's a great way to live life actually. <laughs> yeah. So I know what you told me in the DMs and it was just a very short snippet. Um, but why don't you start wherever you want to start? Oh, no. Tell me first two things that you love about yourself. Okay. Two things that I love about myself. One thing that I love about myself, and this is, um, I guess, after kind of looking back on myself throughout my life, but um, is that I'm like a big kid. I've never grown up. I seriously have a maturity issue um, <laughs> in, in certain aspects. Like yep. if I hang out with people for more than a, a full day, I, I will end up saying it because I know that they are thinking it and they just kind of <laughs> feel like maybe that would be rude to say. I go, I understand I'm like a great big kid. And they get this sigh of relief like, oh, my goodness, yeah, because it was like really obvious. And so <laughs> anyway, I love that about myself because um, I don't know, it just makes my life better, you know, and yeah. I try to just share I just, my good vibes. I try to kind of let that, that, that bleed off into others. Um, and then another thing I love about myself, and again, in retrospect, um, is that I'm a fantastically hard worker when I put my mind to it, when I put my mind to it, when I really get a desire to do something, I can pull energy that is, I, I have amazed myself sometimes at some of the, uh, just keep going and keep going until the thing gets done. So that's, that's phenomenal. a thing I've found out about myself. Oh, and I, I love found that. that out. I've found that out because of going through what I'm going to share at least part of that story here today with you. 
That's phenomenal. Yeah. So you can start wherever you want to start. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, um, I guess I'm going to talk about the fact that I had a problem with drinking and, um, it actually came from a problem with, uh, smoking crack actually. And that came from a desire to want to know about cocaine, which I literally prayed for one time. I literally said a prayer. I was like, you know what, dude? I mean, I was 25. I had, I had been a pretty good boy. You know what I mean? I had smoked some weed and I had drank a few beers. Literally, I didn't have any issues. And I was like, you know what? I want to know about cocaine. And dude, I'm some kid in a college town in a college neighborhood. Like, where do you find that? Mm. Yeah. I was, hey, bro, that's, that, that's always my direct route. I'm like, let's have this. And regardless of what people think about prayer and stuff, it showed up, I'm telling you. And it showed up in such force that who knows how that prayer was answered or what I had asked for from the universe, but I got a great, great big helping of it. And I had to climb my way out of it. So be careful what you ask for. Absolutely. But nonetheless, I did ask for that and I got it and um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I turned into a crackhead, which, but a functioning crackhead, a crackhead that you would never have known, never have known. Um, and in fact, I was so good at hiding it that when I finally freaked out and broke down and was like, oh my God, how do I get rid of this? Help, 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 help. I'm like, you, you brought it here. Right. And then, but now I'm begging you for it to go away and, and it won't. And so for months, I literally just laid there going like, why, why can't I, why won't you help me take this away? Right. And finally, a little voice in my head said, okay, finally, like, I'm going to have to do it this way. And I heard myself talking to myself saying, the only way it's going to go away is for you to tell the people that you have lied to. And I was like, oh, no, a anything but that. Because there was only two. There was only two. And it was my fiance and my mom. And I was like, oh, I have to go sit my mom and my fiance down and tell them I'm a crackhead. <sighs> and when I did, it went right away. I was, a, I, I just... I couldn't believe it, and then and I didn't understand what that was until many years later <clears throat> when I went to get rid of alcoholism, and I found that that was step five, and that um, it dawned on me what I had done. I had you know kind of confessed and and been able to release ah, but the reason I tell that part of the story is because the crack is where the alcohol came from. See, I didn't really have that much to do with alcohol except for when you're smoking crack and you need to get up and go to work the next day, you drown it in booze and pass out and then get up and go, oh, for the first several hours and just that's your life and it sucks. But that's where the alcoholism came from. And I, I remember taking a shot of whiskey one night and I was in, I was mid shot and I went, you're an alcoholic now, dude. And I just was like, yep. Oh, well, I literally said that. And I was like, that's, that's where I'm at. So, and so. I have a question. This mm -hmm. thought popped in my head when you started telling your story because it's very unusual to have someone uh, the, the way you started off. Most kids, you know, they came from a broken home or a friend introduced them. Like, it's very different to have someone be like, yeah, I prayed for this, right? Mm -hmm. So I have two questions to that. One, do you think it was a light or a dark force that answered your prayer? And my second question is some people believe in like um, – Basically, before you come to earth, you have this giant plan of how you want your life to play out on earth or lessons that you want to learn. Do you subscribe to any of that? And do you think that's maybe part of the reason you decided at 25 that you wanted to start this? Um, I think it was 
what I would call um, source, God, mm -hmm. the highest level. That's what answered it. Okay. And it was because it was a true desire in my heart to know about something, have an experience. And okay. I think that's truly what we're here to do is experience. So God was like, yeah, yeah, you want that? Have it. It's up to me what I did after it. I was the one that kept doing it and kept Fair doing enough. it and kept Fair doing enough. it. And so, um, and there was dark influence around it. There's dark influence tied to that drug. I mean, some of it gets smuggled in in the in the nastiest, most yeah. purely evil ways. So, like, there's just negative energy tied to it. So, fair eh, enough. I, I, I messed up, you know. And then, um, um, what was the second part? So, some people believe almost like in like you plan out your life before you come to Earth, and like almost like a soul contract type thing. People use different verbiage for it, but that idea. Do you think that applied or anything like that? I think that that type of stuff, the way. What you're talking about there, the soul contract, I think it's laid out. I do, I do believe in it, yes. And I think that it's kind of laid out in how would be best said? Um, I haven't ever put this in words. Like big dots on a timeline where everything in between the dots is like, hmm, hmm. But at some point, you're going to end up in this conundrum. And at another point, you're going to hit this one. Okay. This one and this one and this one. And that's how it's going to go. All this space in between those big conundrums or goodnesses or whatever big yeah, points yeah. on, your, yeah, on yeah. your map. That's up to you. And then, so it's so, almost like those timeline dots are fixed points, but everything in between is free will, kind of. And 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 the the big dot isn't fixed so much; it's the experience that's fixed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you you have this thing has to happen, right. but everything before and after. And it and it probably is, didn't is your have choice. to be right. And I don't think it had to be cocaine, which became crack, which became alcohol. Okay. It had to be something that damn near killed me. Okay. That I that I handed my will over to willingly, and then at one point said, "The only way I'm getting this back is to take my willpower back from that thing." I mean, I this was a conversation I was yeah. having in my own head, and I'd never heard a teacher or anybody else tell me that. I just knew, you gave your willpower away. <laughs> I mean, and and then I kept telling myself, "It's going to be so hard, but imagine how strong you're going to be when you get it back." And I mean, I can't even. I can't even tell myself back in that old time frame from where I'm sitting right now how much stronger it is. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. So um, anybody out there listening, if you're sitting there thinking about this and going, wow, I could do some willpower taking back. It is the oh, it's one of the hardest things you'll do, but only because you have to admit you were wrong. And if you can admit you were wrong and just settle down, it makes it so, so, so much easier. That's the biggest part of the fight is admitting is just not accepting that you messed up and that you were wrong and that you have to change your behaviors. And if you can accept that, it makes it easier. It doesn't make it easy, yeah. <laughs> but it makes it easier. Yes. And so let's see. Now I'm into the point of alcoholism and I'm with a girl and I quit smoking crack because I have said, I'm done with this. I prayed for it. And they said, tell the people I told two people it went right away. I was in South Carolina at the time. And now I'm going to move back to Colorado because a friend of mine said, I know where you're at. I understand what's going on with you. All you need to do is get yourself to my basement. Weed was legal in Colorado at the time. He had an operation. He said, come, come handle my operation. You can live in my house for free. You don't need a job. You don't need money. I will make sure you are fine. Get yourself back on your feet. He knew I had quit doing what I was previously mm -hmm. doing, and he was there to help. He didn't know I was an alcoholic, as bad as I was, and, and that, that came into it. Um, so I, I popped out there for a few months, and 
in that time, I did a really piss poor job of growing his weed for him, which really upset him. And but we were best friends. So it was just kind of like he was just watching me kill myself now with alcohol and trying not to be the uh, what are you doing, dude? But at the same time, trying to say, what are you doing, dude? And um, uh, he kicked me out. But it was but it was at a time when I had gotten a job. So I, I really was starting to kind of come back. I had a good, good friend who I had taught how to blow glass. Actually, I'm a glass blower. Oh, I cool. had taught him how to blow glass previously. So now, 12 years later in life, he could teach me how to build a house, which was what happened and was just such a great turn of events that I had forgotten I gave him all that knowledge and all that rent and food and all. I, I just forgot about it. I was like, yeah. Because oh. then he shows up when I was like, shoestring in it from falling into a pit of despair and he was like hey bro remember me and I'm like yeah one of my best friends that I haven't talked to in forever how are you and um he's like I need you to come help me build a house that got hit by a tornado I'm like dude I know what a hammer is and he's like I'll teach you I'll teach you everything you need to know and within a few years I started my own handyman business and uh the the starting of the business though didn't come until after so so I'm working construction with this guy and I'm I'm going through oh my goodness fifths of vodka like like that sip you just took and it's just unbelievable just ah, and and functioning and his family and they were seeing me and they're like I've never seen anybody uh, they were amazed they're like you're not even that big how do you drink that and even it's like you're not just functioning you're functioning well I'm like yeah I mean and it would obviously get to a point but I would usually be downstairs at bedtime when those points came and they have video of that, and it's just like, oh, dude, don't do that. And they're like, but you're screaming help from the couch. We have to come film it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, screaming help. That was another thing that my new fiance that I'm about to meet in this timeline mm -hmm. right now, she didn't like that much either. Um, so anyway, I got kicked out, and right then I met this girl, and uh, we, I, I just fell in love, and it was mm -hmm. fantastic. It was so good, and um, I had my own place. She had her own place. And we weren't apart for the entire first month that we knew each other. So we were like, why are we, why am I paying rent at a place and just leaving my stuff there? So anyway, that, you know, you can see the mistake forming. And um, uh, within six months, through fault of both of ours, um, I was arrested for domestic violence. And um, I did not hit her, um, but I, I was arrested for domestic violence. And um, that was a, that was a, um, a hoop to get through. And that put me on the, 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 the law now was telling me, don't drink. Mm. And I, that's when I realized, oh, this, I can't do this. I can't do this. They really want me to drink. And I snuck around it pretty good at first. And then it kept start, I start, P tests start coming up positive for alcohol. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Stop drinking. And then after a few times of that, I'm like, yeah, you'd think so, huh? And, and it didn't really dawn on them they just thought I just didn't care and that was kind of part of it but not really and um that three years was I guess what I'll say real quick is that when you get a new job and you're in despair so my, my buddy's like come build the house with me and the energy that I received from the universe for being in the position of oh wow I'm learning something new I'm with my best friend it's the most chill work environment you can imagine I'm making more money than I could possibly hope for in any other situation, I, the freedom level there was just off the chart. I mean, like, I was able to continue the exact same level of drinking and be an almost renewed person. 
so that that allowed me to get so much further in life before this really came to a head and then pull other people into it which in retrospect i'm talking about my new fiance and then her daughter and i don't like the fact that any of the negativity that they had to experience that they did but i know they learned from that experience as well as me and i could not have been where i'm at now without them they absolutely enabled me to a point where i was as as low as i could possibly get so that i would either die and go away or get up and live and i was really right there i was at the point of well i'm i'm probably i'm going to die and i was told that by so many people and then so in one weekend and this is just you know i can go on and on about stories about p pathetic behavior i wasn't a hitter i'll say that i i am proud that i never i wasn't a hitter there was no physical violence really i mean there was a little bit of some but that was it was usually me defending myself honestly um, so I guess I can look at, look back on it and at least be grateful that, that that's part of the thing I didn't do. Um, but once it finally culminated, it got, we started getting to a point where, <laughs> oh, so bad. Oh, the, the taste in your mouth, the, the, the air, I guess, uh, around your, your, your aura, your soul. It's just, I, I think back on it, it, it just makes me hurt. It's weird. I don't like it, but yeah, it is what it is. It's a good reminder of, man, that's, that's not a good thing. So I'm getting to a point where I'm, I got a, I, I quit working for my buddy, and then, then I started my string of alcoholic jobs, which if you're an alcoholic, you know what I'm talking about. You just can't keep a job. Um, they smell it on you, and they fire you, and that starts happening at some point with all alcoholics, and this was now my beginning of that, and, you know, that happened a few times, and it was just absolutely no good, and um, we got to a point where I was was at a at a job that I was like oh this is fantastic I love this I, you know I'm I'm in a management position I'm able to take care of things I'm able to use a little bit of my construction knowledge that I've gained I can use a lot of my personality and and just being able to be myself and talk to people because I was managing a an old folks retirement home basically okay. a, a, you know uh, an apartment complex and so I got fired from there for smelling like booze and I I got fired that Friday. That Friday night, my fiance of now three years was going to be taking her daughter and her daughter's friend back to Nebraska for the weekend. And she would be home Sunday evening. So I get home on Friday afternoon, like I was basically kind of supposed to. And I was just like, I can't tell her now. She was already ready to kick me out. And I had been kicked out multiple times, but on the idea of like, well, okay, you can come back. Well, mm -hmm. okay. You, it was never the... But the, the real thing, was, yeah. The real one was coming, and so and it was just so crazy. So she went off, and I drank the whole entire weekend, just like I, you know. And we didn't really communicate on the phone. And I'm sure at some point in the drive home, she was like, "If he's drinking at all, you know." She was thinking to herself, "He could be making dinner for us, and he knows when we're going to be home, and he could be making dinner or something, and and having it like just being like ready to receive us back home." And no, I was standing in the middle of the, the living room, like nervous because I saw her pull into the driveway. And so I'm like, oh, shit, I'm up and pacing around. And then like, uh, and she walked in and we made eye contact and she goes, get out. I mean, that was when I, and I knew, oh, that, this is it. And I yep. didn't really argue or put up a fight. I was just. Uh. Oh, so uh, kicked out of the house and she and there was, uh, you know, it was just there was no coming back. There was no she was not having me back. She was not going to let me back. And um, 
so yeah, one weekend was the job and the fiance and the place to live. And I still had a truck and tools. So that was good. And I, I literally just kind of started bouncing around to a point where I would just sleep in the truck and just crash. You know, it's September and um, we'll be all right. And uh, it got a little cold that first night. I had no pillow, no blanket, no nothing. I laid down in the back of my truck in a bank parking lot and slept. And I woke up the next day and was like, yeah, that's, we got lucky. We can't do that again. So I went back and I got a blanket and a pillow at least. And this is a story that's interesting. This is, we're, we're approaching where I, where I actually decided to ask for help. But I decided to go park in a, in a church because I'm like, well, a church, I can park there overnight and they won't mess with me. Unbeknownst to me, it was where AA meetings are held. I didn't know this. And I go during an AA meeting to park You there. didn't know, but your higher self knew. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, and, and still nothing really came of this, except I did end up going back to that church later with my sponsor. But I go to this church, and so I, and I just see a whole bunch of people, and I'm like, well, this is weird. Why are there a bunch of people here at a church on, like, whatever time it is? You know, I'm like, this is just odd. So I'm like, do-do-do-do-do, like, trying to play it off, and then they all leave, and I was like, okay, good. And I drunk and nowhere to go. So I'm just like, I, I was like, I believed somehow that if I put my keys on the top of my tire, that I wouldn't get a DUI, and that's wrong. I didn't know that, but anyway. So I'm laying in the bed, going, trying to go to sleep, and it's wide open. All my stuff is crammed into the, be- into the cab of my 1986 Nissan pickup. So you got a, an image of this thing. It's got that dark tint on it, too. So it's like dark tinted 1986 Nissan pickup, ex- extra cab, with all my crap crammed in it. And I'm laying flat in the bed, drunk. And I, I hear a car pull up. <laughs> and I mean... I've heard, I've heard enough cop cars pull up that, oh, there's a cop. Oh. And I was just like, I'm going to jail for DUI. This is just, my heart was out of my chest. And I'm just like, oh, dude. And I'm just sitting there just waiting, 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 waiting. And I swear like a, a minute went by or more. And then he just drove off. And then he came back. And I was like, oh, he's getting out this time for sure. He's going to get out and come up and look. And then he drove off. And he did that 15 times. I counted them. I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was in a twilight zone. I didn't know what was happening. I thought maybe he knew I was in there and he was messing with me. I didn't. I was like, what is going on? After he left like the third and the fourth, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. But maybe he won't come back now. And then he just kept showing back up. And I'm like, oh. And then I knew after the fifth time, I was like, one of these times, he's going to get out and approach the vehicle and at least look. And he's going to see me laying back here, and then that's when I'll go to jail. And so I was just, uh, and finally I just passed out because he stopped showing up. Oh, that was a tense night. And then, so I was like, okay, that's not going to work either. We can't do this, man. That is the universe telling me you're this close to them finding you a home. And so I went back to my girl, and she's like, dude, let's go have breakfast, and I'll explain this to you. Here's $200. We are done. And I, I love you, and no. And I was like, wow, okay. And then so she gave me some ideas, helped me try to figure out what about your friend Tom and what about this? She wasn't just like hateful. And I, I just, God, I love her so much for that. And um, I was like, yeah, my friend Tom. So I called him and he goes, um, oh, man, I haven't heard from you in a while. And I just, my mouth just ran straight for 15 minutes. Like, please, God, please have some pity on me. And oh, can I just, I said, I'll just, can I park in front of your house? I don't care, dude. I'll put a tarp. I will live in my truck. Can I just park so I don't get towed or arrested? And he goes, I'm not going to let you do that. You can sleep on the couch at least, you know, like, come on. However, 
I did this for another friend and he just left and he was here for four months when he was supposed to be here for four days and he stole from me. So no one gets to do that ever again. You have 10 days. You have 10 days. And he told me that every single day I was there. We're bros. I love you. We've known each other forever. You now have eight days. You now have seven days. Uh, man, dude. So there was no, oh, God, that was just like, okay. So a fire was lit under both cheeks. And I'm like, all right, every day I'm like still pounding booze, pounding booze, and lying to him about it. Lying to him about it and pounding booze because we were drinking. But he was just like, well, and his was more of a concern thing. He wasn't trying to be like, you can't drink. Uh, even though he's like, you're going to go to jail. And I'm like, I know. I know. And um, so I'm lying to him about it and, and kind of stealing some of his booze, too. But I did. I found a job. I found a place to live at the you can't find you can't literally say last second and have it be more exactly what I mean by the day I was to leave. I got the email back from the guys that I that night at midnight before was like, please, I have that much money and I need this room literally tomorrow. And at 7 a.m. while I'm walking around and it's like he wants me out by noon or something. Mm -hmm. They were like, they were like, come on in. <laughs> oh, so it's just like, OK, OK. So anybody else and on paper, you're like, oh, dude's winning. Right. Dude got slammed to the ground. And now dude's got a house again. Dude's got a job again. Really? All right. Look at this. And I was never lower than I had ever been in my entire life. I was literally about to die. My girlfriend, ex-fiance now, was, would still talk to me and probably was just pitying me to such a degree. I can't even really remember what I was saying. I'm sure it was pathetic. My mom wasn't really having much to do with me because I couldn't get out of my patheticness. And she's not one to, like, aid and abet that kind of stuff. She's just like, Grow <laughs> you did this. Good luck. And my dad, thank God, was an alcoholic himself and so was, was helping me. And, you know, he would at least let me just ramble on and on and just feel bad and talk and feel a little better. But he's the one that finally said, son, you got to stop calling me and call your sponsor. This was after I had been in this room, which, by the way, here's how the universe works. I did find another place. And the guy that was in there before me died of an OD on heroin. That's where I was at. That's where I was at, literally. And I was like, oh, and it was just, I never, you can't, I couldn't get any lower. It's like, okay, you can die. That's it. That's where you're at. I was literally drinking every single day. I had to make myself eat soup and a bit of bread. And the only reason I was making myself eat bread was because I just had some sort of, I was just like, you got to have some substance down there. But I would wake up and I would have to slam vodka so that I would stop throwing up. So that I could get to the store to get more so that I could get through my day. That's how every day was in that house. Puking yellow bile into a sink that was clogged. I, I, I mean, I'm so neat and, and, and tidy and clean. And I was in a place where, I mean, I was just literally in a reflection of my soul. And it hurt. And I didn't even really recognize it as that at the time. But I do now looking back on it. And I'm so grateful that I just... And this is where it begins for all of you out there listening. This is the moment it begins. I decided I was going to do whatever it took to get better. Whatever it took. 
I had I the reason I had a sponsor is because I had tried AA before because my woman told me you're going to lose me and I was like oh my god I don't want to so I tried and the minute we got to the point where he handed me a packet and said this is step four you need to make a list I went thank you sir goodbye and now I'm sitting in my chair about a year and a half later and Ooh, and my girlfriend, my fiance, had told me, she had told me, and I maybe kind of somehow believed her, but that you can't even call your AA people. You just blew them off. They probably don't even have anything to do with you now. Little did I know, but like she said that, and I don't think she was trying to be mean. It was just that that was just was something that was yeah, said. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, and my dad goes, oh, my God, son, call him. And I went, okay, dad. And then so I did. And that was the moment. I, I really, truly believe that when I made that phone call, that was when my desire of alcoholism was taken from me. And I can only say that now, looking back on the whole thing since mm -hmm. then to now, um, because I never, ever once pined for alcohol again, ever, after that phone call. Now, I made three more trips to alcohol store after that. Mm, yeah, three but I never pined for it again. I did that on just habit and I was getting ready to go through. I went through a week long sobering process on my sponsor's couch. I made the phone call. I said, help. He said, go buy Gatorade and M&Ms. I said, okay. And I bought a fifth of the booze too. I mean, it's just like, I'm not playing. I'm ready to get sober. I need some booze for this gig. Uh, so I did that. And then I finally, he said, okay, come over to my house. And then I stayed on his couch for five days oh and there was no bathing i didn't change clothes oh it was so bad it was so bad <laughs> and he kept hinting he was like there there i put a towel and some stuff over there for you and i was like yeah i'm good thanks no dude and he's just like Ugh. i literally lived on his couch and watched waking dead i binge watched waking dead because i'd never seen the, you know the eight eight episodes or eight series eight seasons so i watched every bit of waking dead from never having seen one episode to all the way to the end in the like four or five days of my so I just crushed that whole series that was fun smelled so unbelievable I couldn't even smell myself and but he he mentioned later that was like dude oh my god he's like I've smelled some bad alcoholics you were rough dude and I, it was the weirdest thing I've gone through in my life I didn't have any shakes or any of that kind of thing but the level of pain was it was almost like my soul had been somehow something had been done to my soul in how it was situated within my body and how that interaction was working because they didn't it was disrupted that's all i can say that's i it was like i was shoved down into a ball and jammed inside my eyeballs and i was experiencing life like that and every single night i slept for two hours maybe and after the third night of that you're like i have to get some sleep tonight and then you just don't and you're like and it just, and it compounds and it compounds and it compounds. And you're like, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. And that's when why you couldn't you hurt. sleep just because of the pain. Uh, I just, I don't know because I okay. wasn't giving my body booze anymore. I literally was just laying there going, no, because that would have done it. If I had just gone blam and oh, and I was like, nope, we're not doing that. And so five days of that, I got better. I was like, oh, I feel better. I'd, I had a new job. I told him, I was like, my sponsor, I'm like, he was like, you need to get out of that house. And I was like, I agree. But I'm going to go back and spend the night there tonight because I had already moved all my stuff there. And I've moved a good bit of stuff over here now, clothes and whatnot, to live on your couch. And I'm going to continue to do that. But tonight I'm going to sleep in that place, 
go to work from there in the morning so that it's because my water filter and my food and all that kind of stuff was there. And when I get home from work, I'm going to go collect up that stuff and come over here. And now I'm going to start couch tour with you until we can find me a place. And yep, that was what we were doing. The minute I left his house, I went and bought a pint. And that was on October 17th, 2018. And then I woke up the next day for my first day of work in my new job by myself on my own with my own tools and my own me. I was doing this. Even though I was working for somebody else, this was all me. Mm -hmm. That was October 18th of 2018. And I've never had a drop of booze since then. And I never thought about it again. I didn't know that was the day. I didn't say, here it is. Mm -hmm. Never once, never once said any of that. Drove past a billion alcohol stores in the time and just looked at them and was like, that's weird. And I, I never white knuckled at once. I, I, like I said, so after all that time, and we're coming up on four years this October 18th, not one time have I been like, oh, God, never. And I don't know how that is so strong because I've I'm, I'm not talked to many people that that's the case. But Yeah, that, that, that is, seems unusual. All right. I know. And I'm like, so I kind of hate telling that story because I'm like, I don't think it's going to work this way for a lot of people because I've never heard it really work this way for very many. I've heard a few people that have had pretty similar, but that's just how it did for me. I literally, I, I, because I, I was willing and the, and the triune of AA, but it's not just the way you get better is your willingness is the most important thing. Yeah. Then there needs to be a conduit from the, from the Godhead to you and that's your sponsor and that sponsor has to be whatever in whatever way someone to help you has to be solidly grounded and know what you're going through and that's i got i got the universe gave me that i got lucky mm -hmm. and then god does the rest and that's the triune your willingness is where it starts well it really seemed in both um for the crack and the alcohol like as soon as you truly meant that you wanted help it seemed like that was the switch that got flipped and they're like okay okay you just have to act like, as long as you actually want it i feel like a lot of times in life whether it's addictions or asking asking for help in general you know yeah. uh moving addictions um wanting a new job not liking where you're at truly wanting a change whatever that change may be is the catalyst but you have to wholeheartedly invest in that and your brain can't tell you that because your brain will lie to you I oh yeah had, i had wanted to quit drinking alcohol in my brain for like two years i didn't think it was possible i didn't understand that there's a difference between what you were just talking about really desiring to quit and change it's not even that you desire to quit it's that you desire to change yes Ah, that's the hard part. And you have to go, I was wrong. And you have to go, I was wrong. And then you have to lay out in all the fanciful words that you can muster how you were wrong in person to all the people you were wrong to. And when you're like I was, it's most people you knew. Yeah. And you cared about and trusted and they, you know, they love you. And, you know, it, I feel like it's also being open-minded. A lot of people are very closed-minded. They're very set in their ways. And so trying to do that change, you know, even if it's a simple routine, they, a lot of people can get very flustered of, no, I have this routine. This is how it is. I'm not going to change. This works. End of story. Or, you know, political viewpoints or whatever. They're very, this is how it is. And they like their little boxes and they like their neat little rows. 
and trying to get them to open their mind a little bit and have that willingness to change can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. It can. And, and in the midst of my recovery, uh, because I, I feel like there was a moment of where I would say I was in recovery and then I just realized I was recovered. And my, my, my sponsor was huge on that. Boy, he took flack too um, in the AA community because their whole thing was kind of like, eh, it's this, I guess you would call it the new age bullshit version of AA where they were just like, there is no recovered. It's you're in recovery. And he was like, whoa. He would crush through the book and find like six points where it says you absolutely can be recovered period and never go back and so many of them relapse that they have then well then you just can't ever really be recovered <laughs> wrong that's just you making an excuse for your lack of wanting to stay stopped and you maybe just don't want to stay stopped i really really do and if in five years i decide that i don't want to be anymore that's when i'll make that decision and i'll know that then but as of right now i can guarantee you that's not my plan or where i intend to go who right. knows what may happen, but I mean, you know, if I get, I just don't see it happening. But I, you know, like I said, uh, the people that were sober for seven years at, at four years wouldn't have said that either. Fair enough. Yeah. And I feel honestly that you, you being able to admit to yourself of this is where I am now. No, I don't foresee that happening, but kind of anything is possible type deal is all a really important mindset for this, for anything in life, for acknowledging that you're not going to know. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, one of my favorite sayings, I say this all the time about everything. And I usually do it when I'm getting in a heated discussion and somebody says something that I think is just ridiculous. The way I retort is, well, we, we could get hit by a meteor. I mean, and that's just like, so I say that all the time. You could just walk outside and a meteor could slam into you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I also say that somewhat seriously because you never know. You could yeah. be walking down the street and a meteor could hit you. And there's it. That's it. You're done now. And that's, that was this experience and off to a new, you're born into something new. Death is just being born into something new. And, um, I'm, I, you know, and I say that a lot because I'm going to experience that sooner than I want to. And so I'm just trying to remind myself that when someone dies, it's, it's them being born into a new reality. So I feel like there's a little more to that statement. Do you want I, to elaborate or not? Yeah, you don't, you don't have to. No, I will for sure. I don't mind. Um, it's, uh, my mom has Alzheimer's and so I'm taking care of her and I've been taking care of her for about two years now. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just that reality that my mom's going to pass. And I, I mean, I, I break down. Yeah. And, um, I can talk about it now because I do that and I let it out and it, it, yeah. oh, it hurt. It hurts so bad. Um, but, but in the end, it's just something that everybody goes through. We all have to go through this and, um, you know, she's going to be happier and it'll be, it'll be a good thing and she's there now. And so I really, truly know how to live in the now because yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've never personally had to experience that with either my parents or my grandparents. Um, but I know people whose parents they have, and it's can be very hard. Even, um, I know Alzheimer's tends can hit younger mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, my husband's mom, she's going to be 93 this October. And wow. so she, um, 
she, he's adopted. So he, she fostered like over a hundred kids and like, she's a saint. Um, wow, and so beautiful. I think just because of her age, she's definitely like very forgetful, like remembers the past, but doesn't, you know, if we went over there today and then tomorrow, she wouldn't remember that we went over there today type thing. Um, yep. that's exactly where my mom is at. And my mom is only 68 years old, unfortunately. So she's super young. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, the thing is, and, and every soul has its own different thing and I'm totally exactly. cool with that. We've been very, so outside of any type of group of any sort, like talk about loners, dude, me and my mom are such loners and I don't, I don't not like people and I don't, but I just don't associate with groups. It's why I don't consider myself part of AA. I think of it as a cult. I really do. And I, if that offends people tough, I was in it and it saved my life. And I will tell you about how it can save your life. But I will also tell you that if you trade drinking or drugs for sitting in a room and sharing and getting that endorphin rush, then you're still an addict. You still have a problem. You've traded one crutch for another, although it's less damaging and detrimental to you. And that's called a cult. And I'm sorry. And even down to a point where you're just like, ooh, Bill Wilson, Bill Wilson, Bill Wilson. Look up the definition of what a cult is. It's, it's, it's one of them is having an, um, a, an obsession or an overfixation on a single person. I mean, so we could call Christianity a cult, and I do. And that's okay. Because you can use a cult for what it's meant to be and not be a part of the cult. See, that's the big thing. And I know, man, I just, because again, that big rock that I was talking about dropping in my, my community's yep. pond earlier, um, I used the word cult and I mentioned that some of them were in one and it just, like, it outraged them so so crazily. And I was like, hey, I didn't say everyone was. I said the people who are going to get upset are the ones that are probably in the cult. And so you've <laughs> kind of shown your own colors. I'm saying let's hold up a mirror and, and do an assessment, you know? I'm not making, I don't know your name and I don't know who you are. I don't know. But I'm saying that there's some of you out there. So, um, and 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 I I watched that happen in AA, and so yeah, all life is like that. Everything should be taken with a grain of salt. Everything Absolutely. should be your own personal decision to do. And so, you know, that's just kind of my that's kind of my piece on that. Oh no, no, we are totally on the same wavelength there, and it drives people insane because, um, so I, I don't have a thumb, and so I'm technically disabled, limb different, whatever word you want to put on it. I really don't care. Um, but I don't have a thumb. That is a fact. And, you know, some people in the disabled and different community, Oh, you have to believe this all the time. And I'm like, "Mm, no, are you like, and they try and put labels and boxes. And I'm like, for some things I'm like, I agree with 80% of what you say, but the other 20%, I don't want anything to do with. So trying to label me anything, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's politics or in relation to my arm or podcasting or any, my views on anything. I'm like, well, I I can see your points, but I also am going to disagree with some of them. And it can drive people insane because they're like, well, you're wishy-washy. I'm like, no, I'm not wishy-washy. I just don't fit in this pretty little box that you want me to fit in. And that's a you problem, not a me problem because I'm happy where I'm at. And it's, 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 it's more than it's that it's that this is it's they're like, this is not my opinion that you don't disagree that you're disagreeing with. This is fact. And I've come up with it and you just need to accept that I know everything. And you're like, uh, Hey, let me tell you a secret. No, you don't. And, and, Oh, and, and the funny thing is, um, I don't know when you're repeating someone else's stuff and you comment on the, on the thing that the person initially said, 
and you get only flack from the repeaters? I mean, I'm hoping that that is just kind of like people can think that in themselves and kind of go, hmm, I see a little bit of hypocrisy there, perhaps. And what that's another I... thing. People don't like to be shown their own hypocrisy. Oh, no. They will really get angry when you start pointing out their own hypocrisy, like the example of sitting in a room sharing being a new drug. And oh, no, uh, no, uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, huh, yeah, huh. So it's funny. So I actually had a this thought process that came up where if someone did get angry with what I said, it would have proved what I was saying. And so hear me out. So people aren't afraid of dying. Well, they're, they're, they're afraid of dying, but they're more afraid of becoming disabled. They're more afraid of losing a limb, becoming blind, uh, becoming deaf, things like that. Because if you ask people what they're most afraid of, they're like, oh, I, I don't want to die. But then if you're like, okay, so could you survive without a life? Oh no, I could never do that. And they become more emotional about losing some type of sense or limb or digit or something like that. So I was like, people are more afraid of become disabled than dying. Please someone prove to me that I'm wrong. And my husband was like, you're going to make some people angry. And I was like, yeah, but the thing is, is that if I do, that's literally proving my point that they are more afraid of becoming disabled. And it's a community that you can join at any time. You can be born normal and you can join my little group at any point. Yep. And you know, it's funny. This is a little bit different take on what you just said, but it's how I was raised. So I, fe I feel it's important to just mention this. My mom, for some reason, when I was a little kid, whenever I would point out p women that I thought were pretty on TV, I don't know why she did this and I've never even thought to ask her about it, but she would always ask me, would you date her if she was fat? Would you date her if she had if she didn't have legs? Would you date her if she was in a wheelchair? I mean, she would just ask me these things, and it yeah. would just make me think about that. And it made me come to the reality. And then, of course, you see movies and stuff where they that's the point of that yeah. movie. And, uh, you know, it just makes you think about that. It, 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 what it did was it taught me empathy. Because it makes you go, well, would I? Mm. And then what, and mm -hmm. what is marriage? Why would I want to be with somebody in the first place? And then yep. you see people that are with people in wheelchairs, and you go, what? And it, God, I mean, when you think for yourself, right? And I mean, I just got lucky on that one too, maybe. But it made me go, yeah, what is that all about? And then you just look at what that whole hooking up and getting a chick and being in a relationship and getting married what, and a family, what, what's that all really about? It's yeah. certainly not about, look how pretty she is. And I got it, that from an early age, really not my mom telling me anything, asking me asking you, make, making you think, not mm -hmm. telling you what to think, just asking you to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that, that really simple, you know, it's not what's on the outside. It's what it, what's in the inside, you know, that very simple thing that we're taught in preschool, kindergarten, things like that, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, all those cliches. Yep. That, all those things were pounded into me. And again, because I'm so childlike, remember you asked me at the very beginning, what do you yep. love about yourself most? That is what I love about myself the most. When you asked that question before we started recording, I immediately had that one. I, I just, you said two things and I went, well, that was one. And then I had to think for a few seconds about the hardworking part. And again, I didn't know the hardworking part about myself until I became sober and realized how hard that was to do Yeah. and the reward that came from it. I'm like, oh my goodness. And now I know how to build things. And now the universe basically threw at me the fastball of, you want your own business? And I caught it like a pro and went, yeah, I'll do that. And I crushed it. I crushed it because I now knew how to actually build things like not just with wood and 
but, yeah, but yeah, to yeah. really truly build something and i i just yeah i crushed it what i love about the fact that you're like oh i'm still you know a kid at heart most people when they hear that they think of this they joke around all the time and they're never serious mm-hmm. and that is the typical thing that people think of that's the first thing i thought of if i'm being honest of when i'm a kid at heart but to your point kids also question everything there's always the why's you know well why is the sky blue why does it rain why is the grass green why is this why 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 and not in a they're not trying to be annoying they're just simply curious so i love that you retained that curiosity and that's one of the things that you love about yourself yeah and that's also one of the things that people aren't too fond of uh, at least no. at least in a community of we know how it is right when you get into any community that yep, any knows community. how it is and i'm over there going i don't think this part's right because look at this and that and the other oh man and and to be fair a lot of them go yeah wow because there are some free thinkers there yep. are free thinkers out there they're usually the ones that kind of keep it to themselves and or maybe lo- give a little thumbs up but the ones exactly. that disagree write little diatribes and okay okay and, and again when I called out before I even at the beginning of my video, when I before I, I called out how it was going to go and then it went that way. So, I, I mean, that's just it's not predictive programming. It's that I understand how cults work and, and not even so much cults, because I'm not saying that there is even really a cult out there in the regard. It's that people's mentality is of that of a cult, yeah. because the, the cult I'm referring to in the natural law community the person mark passio who who has the knowledge he does not want a cult he is not a cult leader he does not want anything to do with that type of you know things surrounding him it's just what happens and i was simply acknowledging it and pointing it out and again the ones that are in it don't like that and the same thing happens with aa when i mention that you'll get people that go and it's like i you know i don't i don't mean you if it's not you it's that simple well, and it's one of those, you know, if you're offended by something I'm saying in generalities, maybe you need to look at why you're being offended by this generality. Because I'm not saying you, Jonathan, did this. I'm saying, hey, did you notice to the, a, a wide group? And if you're taking it personally, and this is my favorite saying, it annoys my husband to no end. That's a you problem, not a me problem. Uh, yep. Oh man. I do love that. I've only said that a few times, but now that I know that you said that, like, I'm probably going to use it more. It's my favorite (laughs) thing. And you know, and I don't say it in a like, oh, I hurt your feelings. And that's a you problem, not a me problem. That's not how I mean it. Um, but it's just like, no, you mean it when it's, when you really mean that. Yeah. It's just like, you probably mean that often. So you say it all. I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not that I'm trying to offend anybody. It's not that I'm trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to be malicious. Um, but like, you know, that's the perfect example. If you're taking something personal that I mean, as a generality, I, I can't control how you feel. You're responsible for that. Not me. And when I make a general statement, I, I I make it known that it's, I'm not, I'm not making a blanket statement about everything or everyone, you know, I, 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 I say that. So, uh, it is what it is, but, um, yeah, I think, um, to kind of just maybe, uh, put a little bit of a bow on on my story uh, is just the idea that it's so worth it to go through however hard it may be to get over whatever it is you may be having a problem with. And I will say this too, and only because a lot of people don't recognize it, and it really is a spiritual malady, which is what the problem in alcohol is, uh, it, it, but is porn too. 
um, you know, that is a massive problem. And I'm not going to go off on some big diatribe about it, but there's addictions that go across the board that are spiritual maladies. And you get into this routine of things and just like drinking or even smoking cigarettes or, or any of it, you have to change the routine and it's hard. It takes work. And once you do, and you know that you're, you're consciously like, let's say your point of it is to get your willpower back. Why do I want to do this thing to get the power back that I offered up to some negative entity? And I do believe that I believe you're going, here you go, here you go. And they're sitting there taking as much as you'll give because it's all, because it's all about consent. They don't get to just take it from you. But when you go here, 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 they'll yep. vacuum it up as much as you'll dole out. Yep. And then when it comes time to get it back, you have to fight them for it. And you've given them all your, all your money. So they're big and strong now. So the fight gets harder and harder. But the harder you have to fight, the stronger you come out on the other side. And so I didn't come from a broken home. I didn't come from any of the bad, horrible things that generally lead people down the road that I ended up. I literally asked for it from the universe. And the universe went okie dokie. And that's why be very careful because that's not, there was no playing around with the level of addiction I went to. I never put a needle in my arm. I saw it done many, many times. And that was, that was my childlikeness being very curious. I wanted to see it done. I asked people come up in my room. I have a, I have the room, you know, and they were like, oh, and I was like, I just want to see it done. They're like, do you want to do it? No, no, no. But I do want to watch. I want to see I want to experience, why do you want to do this? And everybody I watched do it, it never made sense to me. I'd be like, okay, so I'm watching you do this. And they're, because of, it, just like with any good drug addict, you find that the, the process leading from when you decide you want to do it until you get to the point where you actually can do it, that's what you're mostly addicted to. The, how do I get the money for the crack? How do I get in my, and then I got to go drive and get it. And I got to go into the seedy part of town. And I got to go through that little uh, maze of, do I get pulled over? Does someone notice me? Oh my God, that whole high level of adrenaline. And, and then I got to get home and I got to get all my pieces and parts together and get the porn ready and all the, just all the badness that goes with the whole thing. And then you do it and you're done with it. And it's that quick. And you're like, why did I do that? And it's like, let's do it again. Ugh. it's a, it's a mind maze. It's a mind maze. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of rambling there about just no, no drug ideas and drug lifestyle and it's just alcohol drugs porn any anything that you give your will over to you you're, you're losing and you have to you have to make the decision to take it back yeah i've never really experienced anything like that so i'm i can't personally relate i know people who have um but that's like I said, one of the reasons I have this podcast is I haven't experienced everything. I don't claim to know it all, but I'm hoping that by having conversations with a variety of people who've gone through a variety of things that I can learn things. The listeners can learn things like that's all I want out of this podcast. So. That's really cool. I'm, I am very appreciative that you asked me to be on here and I'm glad that um, it seems like my story fits with what you what you're Absolutely. doing with your podcast. So I'm glad. I hope. I really, truly hope this helps people. And um, you were uh, well. You were maybe going to ask me. I'm going to say that if you go to my website, you can find my. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. You, you can find a way to contact me. And if if this sounds good, if you sound like you might want to actually talk to me or communicate with me, whether it be 
you know, over, over, uh, I, I'll talk to you in person on Skype or something else. If you have an addiction problem, if you have an issue and you want to talk or, you know, have me help you. Hopefully what I've said now is, is enough because this is really going to be your journey, but I'm happy, happy as can be to talk to anybody about any of this and maybe give some advice, give some directions, whatever. Yeah. But I love that to, offer. Yeah. What's your to, website? Yeah. Go to nothing new under the sun, all one word, nothing new under the sun dot us. And there's a contact button. And then um, I, I believe that you can find my, my – I think my email is on there as well. But there's a contact button at the top on the links, and I will get those emails. So uh, you can comment on any of my videos. I watch – I look at all the comments on my videos. You can get a hold of me that way. I've actually had three or four people um, comment on different podcasts uh, similar to this where mm -hmm. I told my story. And I've, I've gotten in touch with and I guess helped some people at least as much as the few times we, we spoke, as much as that was. So. Yeah, that'll definitely be in the show notes. People can go directly click on that. And is it sun like in the sky or like sun and daughter? S-U-N. S-U-N. Okay, perfect. Jonathan, it was so nice to have you on. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm glad that we were able to make this work so quickly and that, you know, our schedules aligned. Um, well, thank again, you. I'm, I'm, yeah, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me. But yeah, like I said, I take care of my mom now and I'm building a food forest. Maybe uh you know, the check out my stuff. I've put up, uh, I'm putting up videos as I slowly convert my <clears throat> half acre golf course yard of just ornamentals yep. into everything edible. That's in awesome. 10 years, in 10 years, I'm going to have more food than I can feed three people with. You know what I mean? So and that's, I think phenomenal. that's the idea. That's a solution. That's a solution to the world that we're living in and how we actually can really do something to take freedom back is have our own food and have it grown in our own house at our own area and amongst our own neighbors in our own communities. And then Absolutely. we don't need to worry about the trucking system breaking down and the gas and the, what, what kind of food and the fact that the food is almost all poisoned. You yes. grow your own food. You take care of yourself again, personal responsibility. That's, that's one of my main things. So I love you, it. Ellie. Yeah, no, thank you. I love it. It's a great way to end. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Please, you know, check out the show notes. Click on that link for his website. Um, he's more than willing to reach out. If for some reason it doesn't work, reach out to me. I will put you all in contact. And once again, thank you all for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. <laughs>